0: The series of mountains. We're in our third week. But this morning we're going to go a little bit different. We're going to talk about mountains of our mind. Good. Obstacles that we create <clears throat> that we feel like we may not be capable of handling. Things that look impossible. Things that are too big, too hot to touch. Things that cause fears, anxieties, doubt. Remember that word, doubt. We're going to talk a lot about doubt this morning. Depression become these obstacles, these, these seemingly untackleable, that's even a word, things that we can't get past. Now, <clears throat> there's something that I say a lot to people, and you can ask Kara over here, I say this very frequently, ask me how I know. That <laughs> yeah, we can create mountains in our minds, we can have fears, we can have anxieties, we can battle doubt, we can battle depression, because I'm a human being, I have doubts, I have fears, I have anxieties, sometimes crippling. Uh So as we move forward, you're going to learn a little bit more about me. I hope we learn a little bit more about how we deal with things that, that come at us that don't necessarily have a physical form. And we'll just go further. But before we do that, let's go to prayer. Father, I thank you for this message that you put before me, Father. I pray that the person that needs to hear it, whether they're in this building or in the lot or on the live feed, whoever it is that may be under the sound of my voice, Father, I pray that this reaches out to them and touches them exactly where they need to be, Father. Allow this message to create in them the comfort to start to recognize. That this can be overcome In Jesus name we pray amen. amen So I look at things that I come up against As battles I like to fight I've had liked to fight since I was a young pup I'm not afraid to throw down I rather enjoy it I've never been athletic So keep that in mind Was I very good at fighting? Nope But if there was a chair near I was going with you just fine I like to fight rough I was mean, 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 dude. Somehow or other, last year I got interested in boxing. I've always loved the sport of boxing. It's fascinating to me the, the process that a fighter goes through to prepare for the fight. What looks easy is so difficult. Let me tell you how I know. What looks like standing around holding your fists up Dodging a punch here and there is one of the hardest cardio workouts I've ever tried. One of my favorite things about boxing is when the underdog comes out and wins, like that time yeah. when Tyson got beat by Holyfield. We'll get, we'll get to that later. I'm telling you, we're going deep. You're going to learn a lot about me this week. But the most important thing, whether you realize it or not, I didn't realize it, and I've been a fan of the sport for years, but I didn't realize it until I got in the middle of it, training with a trainer, sweating my butt off, regretting my decisions to put the clothes on. <laughs> I learned about something called shadow boxing. Now, everybody's seen this. If you've ever seen a fighter go to the ring, on their way to the ring or whatever kind of fight they're doing, even the pro wrestlers, even the pro wrestlers are moving on their way to the ring. The, a a fighter will throw punches. He's, he's constantly moving, shaking up his muscles. He's warming up. Yeah, that's a form of shadow boxing. That's not the kind I'm talking about. I'm talking about the days before. Or even the hours before in the warm-up room when the trainer's warming him up. He's going to shadow box. Well, let's look at the definition of shadow boxing. This is the American standard Google standard association definition to spar with an imaginary opponent as a form of training the key word in that description is imaginary so i hadn't actually shatterboxed much until just the last few weeks i kind of thought it's silly why would i need to do that i'm not a real fighter it looks goofy let me go hit the bag because i like to hit the stuff I took some time off from, from, from going to the gym and going to my trainer, um, I was going through some things I kind of felt like maybe that was going to be an obstacle to keep me from getting through it, um, not only a little bit financially, but also in time-wise, because you got to get up super early, then go to work, and you know, I just needed to rest, I thought. So I took some time off from it. And in the middle of that, I was going through a battle. I had come up against a mountain so large in my mind that I started to lose sight of the daylight. Everything in my life started to turn dark. I was battling something that I just couldn't quite overcome. So, doing the best thing that I knew to do, I went to punch stuff get some of the stress out, smack the bag around a little bit and have some fun. But something hit me a little funny. I was standing in front of the mirror, I had my gloves on, and I'd just come off of a session of mitt work with my trainer. And I looked into the mirror and I thought, you know what, my hook sucks. I need to work on that. Let me look at it in the mirror for a few minutes. Let me, let me throw it at nothing and see how I can improve it. And I noticed the more that I looked at myself in the mirror that I started to have a fight with myself. That all of a sudden, even though I was moving my head and I was fainting and I was slipping punches and I was ducking, I was fighting that guy in the mirror. I was having a battle with the mountain, which actually turned out to be myself. Um, there's a lot of things that go into the preparation for a fight. There's a lot of things that, that, that fighters do in a repetitive. Remember that in a repetitive. repetitive sparring is when you fake fight. You don't hit as hard as you can, you get in the ring and you, you practice be best friends and they're going to shift their minds so poignantly that they're going to be the biggest enemies you've ever seen until that fight's over. And then hug it out at the end and go back and be buddies. Fighters that train the same gym under the same trainer will shift their minds and go so deep into it that they'll lose sight of that friendship until they're done. And then, of course, as we've talked so far, <clears throat> boxes. One of the things that fighters do, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, like I just said, with Mike Tyson and Holyfield, you hear athletes, especially, walking around saying or having necklaces or wearing t-shirts to say, "Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Now, that's a powerful, powerful scripture, and we use it very often to say. I can pick up that truck. You know, I can do the big, monstrous things. I can build this company. And yes, we can do all those things through Christ who strengthens us, but that's not the context in which Paul was writing that. Mm-hmm. See, so Paul at the time when he was writing Philippians, he was in a prison. Now, I'm not real sure which prison he was in. There's a couple different ones. None of them were really nice. They weren't penthouse, you know, medium security, watch the TV, get the good meal prison. One of the prisons was under a church or some sort of temple, and it was three or four stories underground, no daylight, it was kind of an apartment that they turned into a prison for him, and he spent two years in isolation there. The other prison that he could have been in is the Mamertine prison. And he was reported to have been in the lowest cell. Prison, And this lower cell was below sea level, so anytime the sea level would rise, the sewage would flow through it. They actually had to keep a rope tied around his waist so they could pull him up. Whatever prisoner was in that cell, that lower cell, they would actually have to keep a rope around his waist, pull them up when the water started to rise because otherwise they would drown and die and they wouldn't be able to outlive their sentence or go to their beheading You know, because dying in sewage wasn't good enough. (laughs) Funny thing was, let's learn a little bit about Paul's mindset during that time period. They had to change the guard that was guarding him every hour because if they didn't, he was converting them to Christ and then they would have to go in the prison too. (laughs) They couldn't keep enough guards. Mm Mm-hmm. So that kind of gives us an example of what he was thinking, how he was feeling when he was writing this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, meaning that's the nastiest thing I've ever seen. I've been alone for two years. Now we know that that that, that, we, we read the scriptures, we read the accounts of Paul, he had some communication with people, there were letters written, there was money brought. But still... I couldn't handle being away from everybody that I loved and doing the work that I was called to do for two years. I couldn't, I could not handle hanging in doo-doo. <laughs> we also, in that time frame, we get to hear Paul tell us to live is Christ, to die is gain. The scripture, as mm-hmm. you hear me say over and over and over again, and that's going a little bit outside of my notes, but my point is that Paul had changed his mindset. Mm-hmm. He had leaned into his Christ in such a way that there was no thing that could stop him. Philippians 4.13, Philippians 4.13, Philippians 4.13. I can do this. Christ is strengthening me. Philippians 4.13, Philippians 4.13. Even in my darkest hour, Philippians 4.13. This is coming from a pastor, a man of God, a guy who's been called to preach and teach and suffer and hurt for the people that I love so much. Sometimes I still walk in the doubt, but the really great thing is there's people in the Bible that it too, so I don't have to feel so bad. One of my favorite is Elijah. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna be in, in Second, First, First Kings 18 and 19 a little bit today, bouncing around. I'm gonna paraphrase the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. See, the thing about mountains and this message of this week was, is I kind of already had an idea, like I said, about where I wanted to go. And I kind of knew that I had some way to tie it to a mountain. Because in the mountain's in my head. There's nowhere in the Bible that says there's mountains in your head. But in Frank's head, there's mountains in his head. So I had to tie all this together. This is where the curveball was thrown to me Friday. And, and I. I just started to think when I was talking to Angie, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in so much trouble. Oh, no, it's Friday, and we don't have a message. And all of a sudden, the story of Elijah, and I had for some reason written it out. Well, now I know why. I also kind of wonder if Paul might have been dealing with some doubt here and there. We we talk about it. He asks about the thorn in the side. Why have you not taken this from? So if those men, if Elijah, Job, Paul, Thomas, when we even call him Doubting Thomas, if those men can feel doubt, then it's not out of the common for an earthly man to feel doubt. But let's look a little bit deeper at the story of Elijah and see. See, Elijah was a powerful man of God. You might even say that he was a punk. And last time i preached, we talked about Peter, my other favorite one. Huh? I like the mean cousins in the Bible. Paul, Peter, and Elijah. But Elijah was a wild man. I can only in my, in my mind, sorry, cough drops. But I can only in my mind envision Elijah with his cloak and his big wild hair and his big staff. I'm just assuming he would have had a staff to snatch him with. I don't know. But my point is that he might have had shifty eyes, been a little twitchy. Mm-hmm. To do the things that we're about to talk that he did, he would have had to have looked like that. So just go with me. As you've heard me say before, my brain is a cartoon. <laughs> but as we'll see as we get to the story, Elijah walked into some doubt. So Elijah had prayed that it would not rain in Israel and Judah for three years. And it hadn't. And we're at the end of that time frame where it stopped. It had not rained, it was dry as it could be. And he's on his way back to Judah, back to Mount Carmel. And he has a showdown, one of my favorite words. He has a fight, he has a throwdown with the prophets of Baal. He tells Ahab, go get your people, go get your queens, peeps, and get them all together, the prophet peeps, and take them to the top of that mountain. Grab two ox, and I'll meet you there. he tells them further you guys build an altar I'm going to build an altar we're both going to pray to our God and whichever God responds in fire that's the one true God hey that's a wild man saying hey I'm going to go pray to my God and then it's going to get fire on the drought I mean that's, that's bold it's a bold thing to say I kind of like it so Eliza said, y'all go first choose your ox and prepare Robles, they baal promise. they make the preparations, they build their altar, they cut up the ox, they place it on the altar, they do all the things that they do, and they begin praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and, they're praying, and there's no response. They pray all morning, and nothing happens. By noon, our favorite character that we're talking about right now, Eliza, how many of you guys know that God had a sense of humor? Yeah. He had to have had a sense of humor to give Elijah the boldness to say the things he's about to say. By noon, they're still praying. Nothing's happening. He starts to talk then. them. <laughs> I, I love it. He starts to talk to them. He says, hey, maybe you need to pray a little louder. He might be sleeping. <laughs> Did you schedule it with him? Did he go on vacation? Oh, he forgot. Maybe you should pray harder. He's taunting them, he's poking them, he's ripping them. They pray late into the afternoon, and still, no response. So now it's Elijah's turn. He says, You guys have done it. you worked hard. Good move. My turn. He goes up, he repairs the altar they've restored as they've trampled around it. He places 12 stones, one for each tribe of Judah, places the wood to set it on fire to burn the sacrifice, cuts up the ox, puts it on top, does it that, builds it. Then he digs a trench all the way around it. A wide trench. The Bible says and every, every version a wide trench. And he gets ready, gets ready to pitch a curveball and he says, hey, you guys over there go get me four large jars of vessels of water and pour it on the altar. So they do so he says, do it again. Um, they do it. So now we're up to eight large vessels of water now poured on this altar, this wood, this sacrifice, this trench. He says, Do it again, do it a third time. They do it a third time. Now we've got twelve large vessels of water poured on this altar. So much so that the wood is now soaked, the trench is now filled. Then Elijah prays a one-paragraph simple prayer. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things that you are made. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then all of a sudden, fire falls from sky, falls from heaven, consumes the altar, the sacrifice, and all the water in the trench completely. He had proven that he is the one true God. Amen. He Answer the answer faithful, powerful man of God's prayer. Simple, simple prayer. Hear me, O oh Lord, I need you to move. Show them who you are. So, Elijah, in my head, Elijah is like, how do you like me now? <laughs> Drops the mic and he walks up. He then tells Ahab, get all your prophets down to the valley into the dark, take him down to the bottom. All the prophets were then slain. I'm telling you. And I think he did it with his staff. I couldn't find anything in the Bible. I didn't really have time Friday night to dig real deep like I wanted to to learn about that battle. But Elijah slain and his people slain. All 450. And actually, there was more. I learned this. There was more than 450. There was another 400 of prophets of another God that were also there and also slain. but, he tells Ahab at this point He's in the valley They've just slain all the prophets He says Ahab I think it's time for you To get yourself a bite to eat and a little something something to drink Because I hear a rain a coming <laughs> And Elijah goes back To the top of Mount Carmel he Buries his face in the sand And begins to pray And he prays And he stops He asks his servant And says hey servant You see clouds yet No I don't see anything Makes he prays again Sir do you see anything No No, I still don't see anything. He's still praying, he's got his head buried in the sand against a giraffe, I know. And on the seventh time, he says to his servant, do you see anything? He says, yes, yes, Elijah, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. At that time, the sky turned black and filled with black clouds and it began to rain. This is where my brain goes cartoon again. Ahab's beast, I'm out. It's raining. We're going to get out of here. He scoops on down the mountain. Elijah, strengthened by the Lord, picks up his cloak and somehow outruns the chariot down the mountain. Now, that's a powerful man of God that can put his faith and trust in God enough to give him cartoon feet to run that fast. But this is where it gets. The curveball. This is where things start to change a little bit. This is where all of a sudden. Elijah takes the left hook to the chin. That he wasn't expecting. Elijah is, is, is walking tall. He's just won the battle. He's proven through God. That God is the one true God. But Ahab goes back to the castle. Back to the, 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 the. Well it was the castle or not. I don't know why I said that. But he went back to wherever Jezebel his queen was. And tells Jezebel what had happened to her. Beautiful. Precious pet prophets that she loved so much. you can imagine how this made Jezebel feel. So she sends a message back to Elijah. The message goes a little something like this. Elijah! Not cool, bro! I don't like what you did to my prophet, people! Mean face emoji. May my gods do to me what you have done to them if I have not killed you by this time tomorrow. Hashtag slay my way. Well, Elijah reads this. Oh, I got more hashtags. That's has to do with NIFB, International Franklin Version. I'm working on my. Kings 19, 3 and 4. Gee, you know, it's real funny what's going on right now in the world with the lumber prices. (laughs) I'm I'm blown away at how much wood costs. And but but what's more fun for me is the internet, and people, and memes. A friend of mine said, I think all this panic buying for different sort of things are caused by memes. One person says, hey, I can't, the wood's really expensive here. Now it's expensive everywhere, but that's besides the point digress. But I saw this meeting and the guy had a handful of toothpicks and it said lumber seeds for sale. I i like that. <laughs> right? But sometimes doubt the size of one lumber seed, one mustard seed can stick into your mind, just like the size of that mustard seed of faith, and completely wreck you mm-hmm. if you let it. See, it's a choice to have the faith the size of a mustard seed to move the mountain, and it's also a choice to have the doubt the size of the same mustard seed, or the doubt the size of half of that mustard seed. Just, the doubt's infectious. Oh, yeah. Anxiety's infectious. Depression's infectious. Worry's infectious. You get one little piece of it, and tomorrow's double. Yes. And the next day Come it's on. double. And the next day it's double. And it keeps compounding upon itself until it's rippling. Ask me how I know. Yes. Elijah was afraid of man for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left a servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness. How many of us know that in the Bible when it says wilderness, that's not a good thing mm-hmm. all the time. Jesus did go into the wilderness to pray. And Elijah... As we're getting ready to see, he was about to do the same thing, but we're going to pay real close attention to the prayer that he prays. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and said and prayed, take my life, I know better than my ancestors. We've got a powerful man of God who's experiencing suicidal depression begging his God to take his life and comparing himself to his ancestors. And if you've ever poked around in the book of Kings, the people before Elijah, they were not that good. They had a lot of really silly, dumb things. They were taking the the wonderful promises and things that God laid out for them and messing them all up. But comparison will kill you. Amen. Come on. We weren't built to look at our brother and compare ourselves. We weren't built to look at somebody's highlight reel and compare our backstage footage. And that's what this is. That's what happens. That's why doubt, anxiety, and depression, and suicide, and mental illness, and mental upheaval are such big problems in the United States today is because we compare ourselves to every little thing we see. That's true. Uh, And it's just as bad here. In every church and every place, I don't have the anointing that my brother has. I can't sing a praise like her. It's toxic and it can hurt us. <clears throat> Elijah had created himself, his own very beautiful, large, black, seemingly impossible to line He had made an obstacle so big in his head, full so of doubt, depression, he wanted to die. that nothing was more important to him in that moment than to be dead. But the beautiful thing about this situation is he had one thing right. He prayed. Amen. He may have ran away to be alone. And see, that's another thing that I missed, I missed in my notes. He went to be alone. Yes. See, we weren't called to be alone. The first thing that God said in the Bible that was not good was for man to be alone. The first thing. In the first book, it's not good in the world that he's created was for Adam to be alone. So it makes woe man. We can't do it alone. We shouldn't do it alone. But even though he went off right into the wilderness alone, full of doubt, worry, comparing himself to the people of his past, he prayed. He prayed the wrong prayers, but he prayed still. He still leaned on his father. He still was showing faith. And if we go further, we know that further in that story that an angel comes to visit him and, and begins the, initiate, the initiation into the transfer of his ministry, his, his walk as a prophet to Elisha. It always confused me when I was younger. Elijah, 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 Elijah. I still was saying backwards to this day. So, this brings the question, how do we face this? How do we battle this? How do we fight our how, how do I fight the opponent that's right in front of me? Well, first thing you have to do is prepare. One of my favorite preachers and pastors and writers, Levi Lusko, says it like this, you can't be blindsided by what you prepare for. Failure to plan is preparing to fail. Before I read, I've read every book that he has this year, and it's something that he comes back to a lot, and it's something that I've, I've actually carried in my life as a, uh, what's the right word, a value, is always trying to be as prepared as I can, a little obsessed about it. I like to go a little, little further than I'm supposed to. I like to learn a little bit more than I'm supposed to. I like to make sure that all my ducks are in a row and not quacking. Okay. Right? A But we have to prepare. And as we talked about before we got really into the meat of Elijah, we talked about how a fighter prepares for his fight. One of the things that he does is shadow boxing. Now, this is where we're going to get a little bit deeper, and you're going to see just how crazy that I am. (laughs) Somehow, in my weird cartoon mind, I was able to take the mechanics of shadow boxing and compare it directly to how we fight spiritual warfare in our head. So... In boxing, I'm going to get really excited because I love this stuff. In boxing, we have punches, right? Everybody knows that you punch people when you box. And I'm talking about fighting in church and taboo and whatever, but I'm doing it. Jamie, you'll be back in a couple weeks. (laughs) So, every punch has a number. I was really hoping my brother, Fred Carroll, was going to be here this morning because he used to box and we like boxing a lot didn't show up. Guess why? That's why he ran the floor <laughs> First punch we have is the first punch you see a fighter throw constantly. It's the, it's the, the, most fighters are right-handed, most people are right-handed, but it's the jab. It's the left hand, you see them approach each other and they're going to jab, jab, jab. They're going to stick that arm out, they're going to measure the distance of the other dude's face you're going to jab, you're going to jab, and it's not going to be a real hard punch all the time. Sometimes it can't be. Sometimes it can be the punch that wins the fight. Sometimes a one-punch wonder can go out and snap a jab, and it's done. fight's over. But in my mind, I'm watching myself in the mirror fight myself, and I'm realizing that the reason I'm having such a hard time talking to God is because I forgot to do it. I forgot to pray. So I'm looking at this, and i pray pray, 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 pray. I'm thinking about fighters and, and this is silly, I know, and it's cartoonish, but to pray, the jabs to the pray, it's the, it's, the, it's the most talking punch, the one that happens the most. It's the thing that we should do the most. One of the reasons why God put us here in the first place was to have communion with Him all the time, to be in His presence. And what do you do when you're in the presence of people you really love? You talk to them. And that's all He wants us to do is go, Pray without ceasing. I, I, I used to think that was impossible. I used to judge myself because I didn't do it. But I didn't wake up in the morning and do my 14 hours of prayer and read my 17,000 books of scripture. And I would doubt myself on what's the point. I used to, you can't forgive me. I'm not good enough. And that would lead to more doubt. And I'm planting all these seeds. I'm planting all these seeds. I'm sowing seeds of doubt and worry and hatred into my own self. But I'm realizing in front of that mirror at the gym, this sweaty and tired, I punch, 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 Jack, pray, 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 oh my gosh. I forgot to pray. I forgot to just walk around and thank him for everything that I see. To look at him and be thankful that I didn't fall down the stairs. It's just just the little things. I, I forgot to say, Lord, strengthen me this morning. Strengthen me for this conversation we're about to have God be with me today. I mean, he's already there, but sometimes he likes to know that we're asking for it. That's right. I know she loves me, but sometimes I love her when she tells me. Yeah, that's you know? You. God, give me peace. It's a big one for me. God, just, just give me peace today. Just, I'm, about, I'm about to have a conversation that I, I don't think that I can have without you. And um, so if you could give me a little bit of peace to do so, would be great. I love you, God. Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. Thank you. Speak. That's another one. Ask Him to speak back. And renew my mind. It's another real important thing. Mm -hmm. Renew my mind and spirit today. I'm not where I need to be with you. And see, we love grace. Grace is an amazing thing. We're thankful for the grace. We're saved by grace through our faith. But sometimes we think that because we've got the grace that we don't have to ask him to just, can you change my mind a little bit more? Uh-huh. I don't want to look at this person and feel the things that I'm feeling. Uh-huh. That's a big one for me. People suck. You guys don't. You guys are all good. I love every one of you very, very, very much. And that's the absolute truth. I love everybody. But people push our buttons. It's not just mine, it's yours too. Man, it's- oh, so every day I have to ask, renew my mind and spirit today so that I may be you. So that people will look at me and go, you a pastor? You, you can't act like that. I, mean, I can. I mess up big time. I do the stupidest things. But I also want to try to not. Amen. So I ask, renew my mind and spirit. Yeah. I want it every day. So now we got three, so we skip two. It's very important. I can't count past four. So one, two, three. We're skipping two, we're gonna come back to it. We got three, we got the lead hook. It's the left hook. It's a big one. It's the snappiest, it's the loudest, it's the meanest. It's not the hardest, but when you connect the left hook, everybody hears it. Because the way it snaps off the side of the face, it (laughs) sounds really good. I know, talking about fighting in church. I said, Jamie will be back in a couple weeks. Stay with me. Okay, it's a powerful attack. It's swift and it's precise. It's how we praise. If you think about it, when we we praise, it's swift and it's precise. Our songs are quick. Our hallelujahs are shouts. They're loud. Everybody gets to hear them. Lord, I lift you up. I give you thanksgiving for everything you've done in my life. Hallelujah, Father, I raise it. There's a mountain that you've moved, Father. I need you to move it. I need you to move it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're speaking. The lead hook is our praise, but this, this, the number two, the two punch. This is what triggered this whole crazy idea, train of thought for me. As I'm standing in front of that mirror, I'm like, Let me pray. Hallelujah! That's like praising the hallelujah. It's loud. It's quick. I'm going to shout it when I need it. I'm going to shout it when I don't need it. I'm just going to throw it because it looks cool. Praise. We praise. We praise when we don't want to praise. I throw left hooks when I know I'm going to get right one to the face. We do it despite of ourselves. But wait. The two. The most powerful punch. Two is the right, the right. When you throw a two, you're coming off your back foot. Your whole body's coming through it. You're turning your wrist over. You're making full connection. Right, if you land it, you're making full connection right to the forehead. The two is called the cross. They call it the cross because it comes across the body, but it, it's the most powerful. One I got to thinking about it. The other thing that we're called to do is to live in the shadow of the finished work of the cross. We're we're called to live in the most powerful gift we've ever been given. We're called to stand firm, knowing that there's nothing that can come against me. No weapon shall prosper. Because if I get right up behind the shadow of the cross, if I get right up behind the shadow of the opponent that I'm boxing, I'm directly in line with what he needs me to do in order to get it out of my way. Uh. And when I get directly in line with the opponent that I'm facing, and I start advancing, and I start throwing the cross, and throwing the cross, and pleading the blood, and showing them exactly who I am, and what I'm made of, they're going down, my mountains are going to fall, there's nothing that can come against me, because I've got Christ Jesus that's going before me. Amen. Amen. I was going to take the time to draw a graphic of a cross, and a fighter standing behind me. And then I was going to have the tallest person I know of the building to stand up and be across. But I decided I saved you on that Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> but you can think about it like this. You can think about standing in the shadow, and every time a mountain starts to move around the cross, you can reach out and praise it. And praise him for the coming against you because he sees you valuable enough to send you the test. Now, it says in the Bible that we won't be, i want to say it wrong, so it's another one of those New International Franklin versions. Um, God will not put anything on us that we can't handle. No, nah, no. That leads to doubt, worry, anxiety, and depression. If you truly believe that right now, I hope you hear this. That's not true. God will, in fact, let you walk through something because He knows you're going to come out stronger out the outside. God's not going to do anything in your life that makes Him not necessary. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's easy to forget that. The hardest things that we come up against, the things that tear us the most, sometimes we just have to walk through. Now, it's not caused by God. Right. God's not going to purposely hurt us. He's not going to purposely take things away from us. He's not going to purposely, purposely give us things that hurt us. Yeah. But sometimes he says, that that's just the seed that I need planted in you. right, For you to do the work that I've called you to do. That's right. Get a grip. I look back on my past and see the things that I've done. I, I carried my cross because I was told to pick up my cross and carry it. And, and it does say that. Jesus does say, pick up your cross. Let's do this. Come on, follow me. But a lot of the times we look at that and we take it as pick up my cross and have this constant burden of the things that I've already been forgiven for. Yes. Silly as all this may sound, and I have a point. And this is where Holy Spirit wrecked me. And this is where I knew that this message was directly for someone. Whether they're in the building, or on the cameras, or in the live feed, or whoever's phones are watching. There it is. Hi, everybody. Um, whatever it may be, this is for you. <laughs> mental upheaval, mental illness is a serious problem. I know this because I've been walking through some things in my life over the last couple of years that's actually put me in a position where I get to have a diagnosis now. Frank is crazy! I went through some stuff that caused some. Numb. I went through. I'm not, I'm not going to get into it this morning, but I went through. I went through some stuff that that caused that caused me to have PTSD, and I'm just now realizing that and coming to terms with it and learning how to deal with it. And this message is what helped me get on the other side of that mountain, able to stand up enough and go get the help that I needed. But in my study for this, I got to really thinking about how many people, you got Jesus, deal with it. Well, I'm here to tell you today that it's okay to hurt. It's okay to feel the feelings. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to think the things that you're thinking, but know that he wants you to see him in the middle of it. Amen. He wants to grow out of it. It's really heavy on my heart to pray right now. For whoever it may be. Whoever it may be, it's come up, it's come up over the last three or four weeks over and over and over again. And, and Jamie's spirit and my spirit. But there's there's a there's the word suicide that keeps coming. So right now, we're gonna pray that you guys stand up with me. We're gonna pray. For whoever that may be, wherever you may be, whatever, whatever it is, if it's more than one. We're going to pray right now that that spirit, that that oppression of suicide, is removed from you right now, 100% in Jesus' name. Lift it. I bind it. I rebuke it. It will no longer have a hold on your life. Whoever you may be, be comforted in that. I'm praying for depression. I'm praying for. Over- overbearing amounts of stress. I'm praying for anxiety. I'm praying for PTSD. I'm praying for any sort of mental upheaval that anybody under the sound of my voice is going through to be stopped right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you that you come to meet us right in the middle of our beautiful messes, whether we've created them or whether we've walked around into something that we didn't see around the corner whether we've turned and taken a strong left to the chin Father I know and praise for- Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold. Of whom shall I be afraid? Nothing is ever going to work out for me. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you and give you a hope Alone. Don't purposely make yourself alone. If you need to talk to somebody, you have to talk to somebody. Isolation and mental illness don't help me please